This is Matt Woodley with Monday Morning Preacher from PreachingToday.com. Welcome to our podcast. We're here today with our guest host, Lee Eckloff, Senior Pastor of Village Church of Lincolnshire. And Lee's been there for 20 years. He's been preaching regularly for 34 years. He's written a lot for Christianity Today and PreachingToday.com. So, Lee, it's great to have you here today. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, I always love talking to you about preaching because you are a guy that just loves the craft of preaching, thinking about it, writing about it. So it's great to have you here. Thanks for having me. So tell us a little bit just about you personally way back, not so long ago, when the Lord called you into being a preacher. Uh, How did that happen for you? Well, I think as early as I thought about pastoring, even before I really had a sense of call, I loved the idea of preaching. And when there was finally a call, which was a very distinct time uh, in my life of about a week of several contexts, um, I wanted to preach. But in the providence of God, I was uh, given a a job in my home church as an assistant pastor where I almost never preached, taught a lot, adults, academics. And that was hard, and I always wondered, why don't I get to preach? And I felt like in those years God was showing me how to be a pastor Mm. because I was ready, raring to go to be a preacher, but I don't think I would have been a very good pastor. And then after those five years of being an assistant pastor, then I was called to a church as a solo senior pastor. And that's when it really started. And I remember vividly the Sunday before I started out in Pennsylvania, sitting in a chair and looking around in our empty house and thinking, next Sunday, I'll be a preacher. Wow. We're already off script because this raises a very interesting question. So... How can you be a preacher without being a pastor? I think there are a few that do that, uh, and they seem to accomplish it by really great insight into Scripture Mm. and an unusual platform, something unusual. I don't think you can be in a church and be a good pastor if you're not—I mean, be a good preacher if you're not a good— pastor, or at least striving for it. Uh, I think preaching is a tool of pastoring, and if you don't want to do the other stuff, then perhaps you aren't ready for the preaching responsibility, because it's sort of the gravy in some ways. Yes, right. Well, I noticed you, uh, the sermon we're going to talk about today that you preached on Psalm 121, you conclude with a really moving story about Eugene Peterson. Right. And uh, so I think you, you, you guys are in would have been totally in sync in how you approach pastoral ministry. He really influenced me significantly yeah. because mm-hmm. when I was a middle-aged guy, the, all the pastor stuff was about growth, multiplication, yes. all that stuff, constantly. Uh, the way I put it is those were the books at the front of the table at mm-hmm. a conference. And here comes Eugene Peterson that was almost brutal in his refusal of stuff like that, uh, to, to the point that I thought, you know, Dr. Peterson, you don't live in the world I live uh-huh. in. But, right. But uh, right. nonetheless, he, yeah. gave, he gave such a stunning case for pastoral work. And uh, his books were very significant to me. Yeah, and me as well. Yeah, very, 
Very beautiful. Well, you preached recently. You preached up. You're, you're starting. You're in it. You're still in it. So mm-hmm. this is really fresh. You're right. in a five-part sermon series on the Psalms of Ascent. So that's Psalm 120, 120 through 133? 134. 134. Okay, right. thank There's you. There's 15 of them. Right. Yeah, so you're doing a five-part series. So tell us a little bit, not so much specifically about this series, but how do you choose your yeah. sermon series? Is that just something you do by yourself? Do you get input? How, how do you choose what I usually do series? it by myself. Uh, I am open to input, and there have been occasions where leadership would say, you know, we really need to— prepare for this or address that. But that's really not very common. So I look for balance. Um, I preached uh, about three or four chapters of Matthew over the summer. I don't do the long books all together anymore. Okay. I, I find it's difficult for me to sustain a drive. So I did chapters about 8 through 12 of Matthew on the authority of Jesus. Ah. Then we switched, and I... My usual patterns go back to the Old Testament. I did a section on Ruth for about, uh, we did about seven weeks on Ruth. Then I was trying to think of what would lead up. I had these five weeks that would lead up to Advent. And, of course, Thanksgiving is in there. And uh, Psalms seemed like a good alternative. So I chose these five, these idea of ascending to worship is kind of my theme. And um, I haven't really preached on these. So that that was a challenge, too, to... At my age, to preach on things that I haven't preached on before is After good. 34 years. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of sermons. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Um, tell us about your normal, let's say if you have an ideal, a normal week. Mm-hmm. How, how would your sermon prep look? Well, the normal and the ideal are not the same. Uh-huh. Uh, that's because you're a pastor. I formed, <laughs> I formed some bad habits uh-huh. of starting late. Ah, so uh, you, the great Lee Eckloff. There, there's the first reason why not to think that. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, I typically don't really get a. St- I mean, I plan the series ahead, yeah. so I know what the text okay. will be. But I don't really start till often till Wednesday, uh, almost invariably. Yeah, and uh, I put in about twelve to fifteen hours. I often have to work into Saturday. Yeah. Uh, but and I don't like that. If I could start over and rebuild habits, okay, so I might do it differently. You got this kind of locked in. It is, and I can't break it. Ah, you know, wow. I've thought about it. And I just take note, young preachers. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> don't start with a bad habit. Go not where I go. Uh, <laughs> That's right. So I don't like that it creates that sense of pressure as yeah. the as the weekend comes. You know, Fridays mm-hmm. and stuff. I I think that has limited me. On the other hand, I feel like I've done this long enough that uh, God is gracious yeah. to work within this. You know, I've got friends that are way prepared, way out ahead, and right. good for them. But this You've is just never been able. This to is me, get there. <laughs> right? This is me. And you don't seem like it's ruined your pastoral ministry. Or no, I don't think yeah. so. Okay, you just have to. When the time comes, man, there's no there's no room to mess around. Yeah, yeah. You gotta buckle down. Tell us how you like what? How do you get into the text? How so? Give us the specific process that you go through. I think of sermon prep as having three big steps. Ooh, I like three big steps. Yeah, I know. It's gonna be good. You you could write an article about this. We might. Yeah, three. This is good enough. (laughs) This is gold. (laughs) Okay, good. Um, The first step 
is the study step. And yeah. I typically try not to look at commentaries or any anything like that. I print it I print the text out on a piece of paper. Yep. So that I can write on it all over the place. And um I just try to pester the text. That's the mm. language I use. I love that. That's just great. keep coming at it, keep coming mm. at it. I am not good at the languages mm. uh, because I had dropped out of seminary for a period of time after I took them, and I didn't retain them. So I have to. Uh, I will look sometimes, you know, at some helps, but mostly at you kind of have a sense of where you're going to have to go and look upwards, where mm. the where the issues are going to be, where there's something richer than English catches. So uh, when I have done that and and then done it again. There's always a point where you say, okay, that's, good. that's enough. I'm going to stop. Yeah. And then lessons taught are, to me are do it again. Mm. Go back over it again. Give yeah. it some more time. And meditate on it. Yeah. Uh, Peterson used the expression contemplative exegesis. Mm. Love and, that. And that's yeah. really key. Then there's a point where I go to study. Uh, you know, and I look at commentaries. Um, even here in Psalms, you know, there's – I probably have – five or six of them on my desk. And even one Sunday working with them, I know, okay, start with this one. Go yeah. over here. If you don't get to this one, that's okay. Then the second big phase is the uh, finding structure. Hmm. How is this going to hang together? And the, yeah. and the thoughtfulness of it. Uh, you know, it's not just exegeting words. It's the um, contemplation of it. Yeah. Where does this take me spiritually? Why did he do it this way? Why does verse 2 follow verse 1? Yeah. Um, where's he trying to accomplish? You know, this Sunday where it starts, uh, I lift up my eyes unto the mountains. Where yeah. does my help come from? Well, nobody's really quite sure why that first line is there. Huh. Mountains because you're looking at your obstacles. Mountains huh. because they inspire you. Mm. Mountains because Jerusalem's in the middle of those mountains, and that's where you're going. Yeah. Well... I wanted to just not necessarily answer. I just wanted to think about that. Yeah. And kind of let that soak. And then the third step is really the crafting of the sermon. And yeah. uh, this is when you're editing, when uh, you're looking for an illustration. Sometimes they pop into mind earlier, yeah. but uh, how am I going to introduce this thing? Uh, I got way too much on something. I got to chop that. Yeah. So that's the writing, and I am a manuscript preacher, so I write all of it out. And that tells me also if I'm too long, Yes, or, which I am. That's my habit. Yeah. I'm, it's my, my singular weakness is that my sermons tend to be too long. So okay. writing helps a little bit. I see. Okay. Yeah, I notice you you write a complete manuscript. Do you take that with you into the pulpit then? And, yeah. And w w how does that work for you? Well, I don't need it the whole time, but I also decided, why wouldn't I bring this? Why would I sit down and write another version? It, ah. it's, I've already got it here. My notes, uh, when you see them, you know, th th there's a there's bold face, there's italics, there's a, yeah. an outline structure, even though I write it all out. So I can tell quickly when I look down where I'm at and uh, what's going on. I manuscript also because I'm a word guy. Yes. You know, the the writing I do really emerged out of the preaching and the writing of these sermons. So in a way that I don't think is true for a lot of preachers, 
the specific words matter to me and yeah. the, and I'm not willing to give that up. I certainly understand the power of eyeball to eyeball as you're preaching and I try to do that as much as I yeah. can. But I also value the power of words well spoken and I've made that trade-off. Sometimes I'm looking down in order to say something I want to say. Yeah, right. And that's the trade-off. I noticed um, you are a very uncluttered writer. Um, William Zisner, the great uh, editor, not a believer, I don't think, but he wrote a book called uh, Writing Well, I think, or How to Write Well, or something like that, but he has a whole chapter on uncluttered writing, and he says American writing is just drowning in clutter or something hmm. to that effect, but so you're, you're, it's very lean, it's very clean, it's, you don't waste a lot of words, um, you don't have a lot of baggage in there. Uh, how did you discipline yourself to, <laughs> to write like that? I don't know if you noticed that, but it's, it's very clean and uncluttered. Well, that's interesting. Thank you. I, I think that it's, um, one, it's a benefit of writing. Yeah, and you sit true. and look at this and say, why did I say that twice? When you're extemporaneous, it's almost impossible not to say things twice. Yeah. Your your head is kind of repeating these things out ahead of you, and you naturally say it a couple, three times. But I also have learned, I think the part of being a writer is try to be more spare. Now, the problem is if you say a really important thing once, they may not get it. One trick is build in more pauses. Mm. So when you say something that you think is really strong, pithy, or important, you can say it three times, or you can just stop and let you can just see. You can watch people. They start to catch up with it. And what I love is when you see them, their heads go down, their, their pens come uh -huh. out, and they're writing notes. But it's also important sometimes to repeat things, you know. And yeah. so the it's writing, but it's writing for the ear, not for the page. It, my sermons written for the page don't need a good editor because they, they, they do need a good editor because it's full of semicolons and yeah. um, dashes. and Right. That's good for the ear. But shortening it up is something I look at. I, yeah. I go back. You and work hard at that. Yep. You, yeah. Yeah. Takes multiple drafts or edits. Right. Yeah. Right. And I edit up uh, till Sunday morning. Okay. Yeah. I might be editing. Yeah. Our service is at 1030. I might be working on yeah. it at 930. Yeah. I s just keep messing uh, with it. Yeah, the whole <coughs> manuscript thing's really fascinating me because I started my ministry writing manuscripts, and then I thought, well, I can just, I think I can just wing it a little more. And so I started not writing manuscripts, just writing detailed outlines, and then I noticed that my sermons, a couple sermons had been transcribed by Andrew and our Preaching Today uh, staff, and I realized I use a lot of likes and ums and you knows. And so then I went back to writing manuscripts again. I don't bring it into the pulpit with me, but that discipline of writing it, and right. I practically memorize it. So, but that, Oh, that's great. It's super helpful for me to write a manuscript. I don't have, I don't memorize them. I did yeah. early on, literally, Yeah, you know, and <laughs> one side of that was Saturday nights were nasty. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just nasty. And then I also remember my wife saying, if it's going to be like this, I don't want to be around on Saturday nights. It's <laughs> a bad sign. Yeah. So, you got to pay attention. As a spiritual director might say, you should pay attention to that. That's right. What is the Lord saying to you through that? <laughs> That's right. The Lord was saying, 
you can have a manuscript. And I also heard, I remember hearing uh, Chuck Swindoll talk about that, that he didn't mind carrying notes in and he didn't feel like it was hurting him much. And I've seen in one of his books, he actually prints his sermon notes at the yeah. back of one of his books. Huh. And they are incredibly detailed oh, and are. little, yeah. you know, little tiny things all over and hand notes. And yeah. I thought, well, if he can do that, I can do that too. Yeah, so. right. <laughs> and that's, I should clarify, I don't actually memorize it. I kind of just get the gist of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, one of the things, you used a personal illustration in your in this sermon on Psalm 121. And if I may paraphrase, mm-hmm. you're basically talking about you know, waking up in the middle of the night and... Um, feeling anxiety or fear or whatever. I don't think you used those exact words, but that was the sense I got. Right. And then you had a counselor tell you to just sort of develop a, a, a short phrase, and you chose something from Psalm 121, Scripture, to repeat to yourself. Uh, personal illustrations. Uh, what's, right. what's your view of that? Like, how often do you do that? Because that was a pretty—it was short. Right. It wasn't overdone, but it was, it was semi—it was fairly vulnerable of you as a pastor. Right. And so what's your view of personal illustrations? Well, I've noticed with young guys, it's almost the only kind they know. Mm, yeah, and or personal, personal, yeah, personal illustrations, yeah, and they want a lot of the younger, you know, big name preachers. Everything has to be funny. Mm. They always have to have a funny tilt on something, and yeah. that's going to run dry. Yeah, I mean, you just can't keep coming up with that stuff. Uh. And if you're preaching expositorily, um. If you're preaching big themes, it's not so hard to think of illustrations. But if you're working through a passage of Scripture, these are more subtle and nuanced ideas. And you just don't have enough experience. Hmm. But when you do, I like using personal illustrations. I like the vulnerability. This one was particularly that way because I spoke of a dark period in my life. Yes, you did. And I spoke of going to see a counselor. Yes, you did. Which, you know, not everybody knows. And right. I try not to hide that. I think that's like, oh my gosh! Right, our what? preacher sees a counselor. Right, and I also used the word mantra, yeah, because that's what he called it. But the mantra yeah. started, you know, it was twenty-third right. Psalm, one verse. Yeah. It was Psalm ninety-one, one verse, and then the point of this text was, uh, you know, uh, I can use, "He will not let your foot slip." Yeah, he who uh, mm-hmm. watches over you will not slumber. Right, that's a good mantra. Yeah, or whatever you want to call it. Right, but. I I like personal illustrations if I can find them, but after this many years, I don't have too many you know things that they haven't heard. Yeah, I just thought it was really appropriate. It it was vulnerable, but it was appropriate, and you didn't right. belabor it. And you didn't go give too much information. Right. So I thought it really worked. That's you know when you write out a sermon and yeah. you write out the illustration, mm. a lot of guys yes. would just go tell a story about yeah. mom and the apple pie wing story, right? Yeah. That's the timing you should write it. Yeah. Because you need to learn how to write that simply and those are where your time goes off the wire, off the rails. Absolutely. Yes. I that's totally I can agree. Hmm. Yeah. Um what happens after you preach? Do you feel energized? Do you, do you feel depleted? And then how do you assuming you feel tired, which right. I do, right. How do you recover? I used to be much more unpredictably, unpredictable emotionally afterwards. Uh, not so much anymore. I'm 67. I've been yeah. doing this a long time. And 34 years. 34 years. In case you didn't and, count it up. <laughs> and I've had 
you know, bad Sundays. Ah. And I've had exhilarating Sundays. Yeah. I wrote a piece. Well, I didn't actually write. I wrote, took notes for myself, right. you know, on Monday morning after a bad sermon because it's a crummy feeling. Hmm. But now I'm mostly tired. Everybody at church knows, we kind of kid about it, that Lee needs his afternoon nap. Uh-huh. And uh, I do. I'm just tired. Um, but I don't find it usually the emotional drain I once did. I, I th- see. I think because I feel more even about the process. You know, I, I've done this over and over, and I, God is going to work. And uh, I think there are times where you have just something, something about the sermon has been really tough. It could have been you ran out of time. It could have just been the subject was really penetrating. Yeah. Or I remember Mark Buchanan writing this piece for leadership about uh, backdraft preaching, and he talked yes. about it. You know, you, it's like the, the, the fire comes blasting out the door, and then it dies way down. Huh. And, yeah, that, you yeah. Know, I know that feeling. But I love the preaching part. Uh, so I, I always say some guys study because they love to preach. And sometimes preach. Some guys preach because they love to study. Yeah. Well, I study because I love to preach. Studying uh, isn't my first joy. I see. I love the chance to get up and lay this out and bring artistry to it. I'm more yes. of an artist at heart than a scholar, and all that really does energize me. And it's kind of like having painted a picture or sung a song. Sure, well, that's over. wonderful. Yeah. Uh, this is going off script as well, but just. How do you think, like, spiritual warfare and prayer plays into your preaching? I know you've written yeah. about that a little bit. Yeah. So is, how, how does that fit into your preaching? Well, I think there's many Sundays when you're not, when I'm not particularly aware of spiritual warfare or resistance. Mm. That doesn't mean it's not there. And the danger, then, is to not be particularly invested in prayer preparation because you know you've done this before it's like last week's and yeah. you know and i don't think every sunday i'm i'm very glad that it isn't this emotional yeah. journey every week mm. you know that it settles but i'd say the greater spiritual risk is not being prayed up mm. because you didn't feel the heavy pressure ah you know, I'm conscious if, if I'm preaching on a passage that speaks of Satan or something like that, yeah, to be on my guard. You know, just be a little more careful. But I think it's the ordinary that's you can kind of get into a groove and not have prayed very well. Ha. Huh. Uh, and I think praying for sermons is. I ask guys. I often ask pastors, "How do you pray for your sermons?" And yeah. it's the one thing we never talk about. Yes, I know. Right? right? I don't know how you prepare in prayer. You don't know. How, you know. We just don't think about that. Well, what are we doing? I remember one guy saying, well, I pray when I start, and then when I'm done, I ask the Lord to bless it. Mm. I think, really? That's it? Yeah. Isn't there a kind of a dialogue? Or Right. And you wonder, like, how did Eugene Peterson pray? Or how did yeah. how does John MacArthur pray? Or mm. Swindoll or somebody? What, what do they do? It's one of those quiet things that we really don't talk about. Yeah. Um, I found that the the passage, the text itself, just I always have to wrestle with God in prayer with mm. it because it does something in me. Because like I'm preaching on um, a two part series on money, and I realize 
I don't know what it, what is God doing in my heart with money? Is is it right. just how am I growing in this? Um, and so I have to pause and think, wow, Lord, I need you with this. I right. Need, I need a new attitude. It, it's got a grip on me. So um, that's true. Yeah. <clears throat> when we hit those things, you know, yeah. Psalm one twenty one, which is about God's comfort. Yeah. Or protection, you might say. And I think, all right, now where is that at work? What when that isn't working for me? Why not? Uh, if it's too easy, then you need to pray, Lord. I think I'm going to be glib about this. Yeah, and I I don't want to be glib. I want to have a richness and a depth. So the prayers shift around. Yeah, because sometimes it's the hard thing. Sometimes it's I'm just puzzled over this. I do yeah. not know what to do about this passage, and. Uh, I need help here. Yeah. I have had a couple of those quite recently where I was really bewildered by what to do. So the prayers change. Yeah, right. Well, uh, and on just a little fun note, because I, I love books and I love reading, and I'm a real eclectic reader. I'm reading a book on the reemergence of religion in China, and I'm reading a book on called Darwin's Doubt about... Um, evolution and uh, so i just love reading a lot of different things even if it's way over my head so but uh what are you reading these days because i know you're a you're an eclectic reader as well yeah. <clears throat> it's one of my favorite questions to ask others and yeah. I, i'm a little embarrassed that right now i have just uh, shameless plug i have just finished writing a book oh last week so that uh, what's has, it going to be called well thanks for asking <laughs> And who's publishing it? Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, it's Moody Publishers. Yeah. It'll come out next spring. It's called uh, Feels Like Home, How... Uh, ref- uh, I'll get this. Yeah. Feels Like Home, How... Uh, uh, Got to think about this for a while. Subtitle? Subtitle. Feels Like Home. What's it about? About the church's family, yeah, how yeah, something on the church's yeah. family, yeah, um, changes everything. How we can edit this, evaluating, yeah. yeah. All right, it's uh, called "Feels Like Home." How uh, thinking about the church as family changes everything. Ah, nice. So, uh, my essential idea is: so often we focus, especially as leaders, yeah, pastors, on the church as an organization, and one reason as a mission yeah i'm i just discovered i'm much more motivated by creating environment than direction it's just partly me yeah and if there's an environment that describes the church it's home we are brothers Mm. and sisters it's not even a metaphor yeah it's always called a metaphor you know the household of god it's not a metaphor it's it's the literal deal we are the household of god right so that's what the book is about Ah. what i've been reading is uh, a little bit I, I like novels, especially good ones. Yeah, I was. I'm just finishing. I'll by the time I get home today, I'll finish the audio book of my favorite novel, which yeah. is "Peace Like a River" uh-huh. by Leif Anger. He's a Christian writer, and this is uh, not a specifically Christian book. It was a national bestseller, but he has he portrays faith in beautiful ways. Yeah, and I just listened on the way here to a whole chapter. Yeah, uh, imagining heaven. Wow! And it was just sublime. And now he, uh, Leif Anger, has a new book out that just that. came out, and I got that that I'm reading, trying to keep these two stories 
straight in my head. Mm-hmm. So I've got that. Um, a book I read a, a little while ago that was really significant was uh, Fleming Rutledge's uh, The Crucifixion. That's a great book. That was amazing. Yeah. And I am not inclined to read these big theology books. Yeah. I get kind of daunted by them. But, right. Oh, that was that was really that was fantastic. rich. Once I got into it, I just enjoyed reading it. And it's, uh, it's about 700 pages, so I'm reading a third of it over a three-year period before Easter. <laughs> so I'm two-thirds of the way done, so next, next Lenten season I'll read the last third. Well, call me if you have trouble with the big words. <laughs> <laughs> I am. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's hard. Yeah, it's, it's tough. It's, it's, it's slow. It's you rich, know, though. It's and this really woman rich. is 83 years yeah. old, yeah. writing this magnificent theology yeah. of the cross. It, w- it is magnificent. It, it is. really is. Yeah. Solidly orthodox. Right. Yeah. Right. Biblically grounded, but really fresh. It is. Yeah. That was a great one. Yeah. Well, Lee, thanks so much for being with us on Monday Morning Preacher. It's great to have you, and we will we'll get some articles from you. All right. My pleasure. <laughs> Thanks so much. Well, this is Matt Woodley with PreachingDaydaday.com's Monday Morning Preacher. Thanks for joining us.